I want to thank you so much for being here today, and before we dive in, I want to thank um, my friends Brandon and Kim Smith for being here today and leading worship today with No Hungry Children. Thank you, Brandon and Kim. They're back there. They hear us, and uh, very thankful for them. Uh, it is so great to have them in. One of our partners, one of our um, global partners, uh, we help them with No Hungry Children. We're, we're a big supporter of No Hungry Children, helping um, feed kids in Nairobi, Kenya, and uh, very excited to have them in today. Um, as you're turning, you can turn to uh, Philippians, the book of Philippians in the New Testament, chapter 4. Some of you are like, turning, I have an iPad. I have a device. I don't need to turn. I need to swipe down. So whatever you need to do there, go to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to be there today. And as you're doing that, as you're kind of getting there to Philippians chapter 4, um, I just want to uh, say this. I want to say thank you to those of you who came yesterday uh, to help work on uh, our new, we bought a building right out here out front, uh, and it's Building B. We're going to be calling it the Hilton Head Island Community Church Community Center. I think that's a great name. So you're going to see it uh, as the community center, and you'll hear more about that. But we had about 30 people yesterday helping out, and uh, man, thank you to those of you who came yesterday to help out. Thanks so much for all the work you did. Why don't you give them a round of applause this morning? Uh, they're here in the service. We do have another group of people, some of whom are here. Um, our Belize team, missions team, got back at about 3 a.m. last night. So I saw Justin in the service. I'm pretty impressed with that, man. Way to go. Our student pastor, Justin, is here, and uh, he led that team. I think they had a great time. It sounded like a great trip, and I want to thank so much those of you who went to Belize this morning. So thank you guys and who got back safely. So very happy to have them back. And um, today we continue in our series called Did God Say That? And we are looking this summer as week two. We're looking this summer at some phrases that we often attribute to God that we wrongly attribute to God. Or we may kind of miss the full meaning of what that phrase is. And so we began last week with this idea and this phrase that God helps those who help themselves. And the general kind of theme overview of God's word is pretty much the opposite of that statement. Uh, God really helps those who are in great need, and that's all of us, isn't it? And uh, so uh, we talked about that last week, and today we continue and, uh, in this series. And we're going to be taking a look at this phrase, God wants me to be happy. God wants me to be happy. If I've heard it once, I've heard it a thousand times. And we just have to face the fact that in this life, um, part of our just natural uh, being human is the desire for happiness, right? It's the desire for happiness. We have to be realistic that that's something that we want, that we need. We have areas of our lives that we want to be happy in. We want happiness. We search after happiness. And so today we're going to be challenging the statement that God wants me to be happy. And I'm just going to go ahead before we dive in and, and, and kind of answer the, that question because it's just like we're challenging each of these statements. So it's kind of a yes, no, or kind of. Uh, you know, it's either, it's either true or it's false or maybe we don't quite understand the meaning. And so I'm going to answer that question. Did God say uh, he wants me to be happy, that God wants me to be happy? The, the general answer is no. He didn't say that. And some of you are sitting there going, oh, great, this is why I came to church, to hear God does not want me to be happy. Um, that's not the answer to the question. If by happiness you mean joy found in him, then absolutely God wants you to be happy. 
If by happiness you mean something that fills a void in your life or in my life or in any of our lives that comes from this world or comes from something that we achieve or someone we achieve or something we achieve, then no, that's not God's idea of happiness. And he deals with it so often. This idea of joy and contentment which comes from the Lord and happiness that comes from the world. And I find it so interesting that he uses this man by the name of Paul who spent most of his time in prison writing letters to the churches that he started all over the known world of that day and age in the days following Jesus' death and resurrection. And so we find here in Philippians this interesting uh, kind of like series of events that Paul is writing to the church in Philippi about. It's so interesting. In the church there, there were two people that evidently had a huge disagreement. And there must have been some infighting, and it must have been based on, on something pretty severe because Paul, in this book, in this particular chapter, comes right out of the gates and he deals with it. And essentially what he says to these two people in the church in Philippi is this. He says, cut it out. Knock it off. Right? Have you, you ever heard the phrase from a parent? Knock it off. Um, I, I heard that from my dad growing up, um, particularly on one trip that we took. We drove, we lived in Orlando for a period of time. We drove from Orlando to Tampa, picked up my grandparents in a sedan. It was in the days before minivans, all right? There were conversion vans. Any of you remember conversion vans? <laughs> Yeah, I just completely dated myself. But we had, a, we had just a regular sedan, and it was my, my, myself, my sister, my mom and dad, and my grandparents, six of us. And we drove from Tampa to Colorado. I mean, for me, at 40-something years old, that would be awful. I can't imagine what my parents went through. And my sister and I spent most of the time down like behind the front and back seat, no seat belt. And most of the time we were fighting and my dad would reach around like all dads learn to do. And he was like, Not a, knock it off, cut it out, cut it out. And Paul says to these people in this church in Philippi, cut it out, knock it off, stop your fighting. But here's what he does. He uses that opportunity to challenge the source of their joy. And I believe that's what God has for all of us today. I've asked him to challenge my source of joy. I've asked for him to take a look at that for all of us today. And Paul deals with it here in Philippians 4, 4 through 13. Let's dive in and take a, look, uh, take a look at what he says. By the way, when you see the word rejoice in the Bible, particularly in the New Testament, every time you see that, it's essentially Paul or whoever it is saying that. It's God saying, be joyful, have joy. And he says this, inspired by God's Holy Spirit in verse 4. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, I will say, rejoice. He says, rejoice in the Lord. Notice, I'm going to come back to that for just a moment. Verse 4. He says, rejoice in the Lord when things are going well. When circumstances are for you. When the money is good. When relationships are great. When everything is all in line, have joy. Is that what he says? No, he doesn't. What does he say? What word does he use? He says, rejoice in the Lord. What's the word? Always. Always. Again, I will say, rejoice. And then in one of my favorite verses, 
He says, let your reasonableness. Isn't that an interesting word that he uses? He's like, we got two people that are disagreeing. Be reasonable. Cut it out. Knock it off and be reasonable is what Paul says to the church. By the way, like the next time there's like some disagreement in our church, can I just say that? Can I be like, hey, cut it out, be reasonable. Is that cool? Can we deal with that, church? Would that be all right? I like that, okay? You can tell me the same thing. So anyway, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be made known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Don't be anxious, he says, about anything, but in everything. By prayer and supplication, that's a, a big word that means asking God for something or making a request to God. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, he says, whatever is, whatever is true, and this is in verse 8, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's anything excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. He says, think about these things. What you have learned, he says, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I love Paul's combination of confidence and, and humility. I love that because he's like, look, watch my behavior. And I think he says that because he comes from a humble place in Christ. He says in verse 10, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have received your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned, learned in whatever situation I am to be, what's that next word? Content. I'm to be content. I know how to be brought low, he says. I know how to abound. In, every, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty, he says, and hunger, abundance, and need. And he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, the first thing that I noticed right out of the gates, number one, is, is that Paul takes this vertical relationship, or excuse me, the horizontal relationship that's gone uh, south, that's gone awry in the church. He takes that to challenge the people in the church in terms of their, their vertical relationship. He basically is saying, if you've got this strife between each other, consider for a moment that maybe this relationship is a bit off. And church, isn't that true? That often when we get our feelings easily hurt, when we often like are, you know, maybe afraid to deal with confrontation or if we're dealing with a, a particularly difficult person, like it, it often has to do not that this is broken necessarily, but this isn't right. And I love the fact that he does that. The other thing that I notice is that we often go to verse 13 and we quote that verse and we believe in it and so we should. We have, we have confidence in it and we understand it and we're like, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Not realizing that on is Paul talking about how he has found joy and he's found contentment when things are really good but he's also found it when things go really, really bad. And so Paul is saying here, man, I can do all things through him who strengthens me, but I believe what he's saying is, is that that idea of having this deep, you know, solid joy was forged 
through difficulty as well as great times, through times where things were great. And so my, my challenge to you today, before we dive into the, the bulk of this message, is this. Um, often my, my messages to you have something to do with how like, we deal with God, but it also has to do with how we deal with others. Today's message is deeply spiritually personal. This is not as much about this as it is about this. This is not as much about how we deal with others, although it has an impact on it, but it really has to do with where we are finding our contentment and our satisfaction. And I think the first thing that we need to understand is there is a massive difference between the idea of happiness and the concept of joy. Those are two completely different things, aren't they? If I were to ask you the question, do you think God wants you to be happy? Most of you would say yes. But I would guess in a lot of cases that even those of you who are strong Christians and have been Christians for a long time, I would guess that maybe you, like me, sometimes get the idea and the concept of happiness and joy mixed up. We get them confused. And so today I just want to point out, I believe, three things that are different between happiness and joy. Three ways that joy and happiness are different. Someone came up to me in between services and he said, you know, happiness is really more of an emotion Joy is a state of being or a state of mind. And I like that. That's really true. It's really good. They're different concepts. They're different things. First and foremost, happiness is based on our circumstances. Joy is based on certainty. Happiness is based on our circumstances. And joy is based on certainty. I want you to think about it for a moment. We will often say something like this. Man, I, I am happy because and we fill in the blank. Or we will often say, you know, I, I'm happy when, and we fill in the blank. I'm happy when the money's there. I'm happy when the debt is gone. I'm happy when my husband or my wife is happy with me. I'm happy when my kids do exactly what I tell them to do. How often do those things actually happen is my question. And so the idea is, is that the idea of happiness, a concept here is that happiness is based on our circumstances. And for you, fill in the blank. Answer it right now with just you and God. I am happy when, and be honest. What is the thing that happens to make you happy? What are those things that happy? Is it when everything is under your control? Is it when things that are out of your control suddenly come in to control? Is it when you have great accomplishment? I don't know what that is, but happiness is based on circumstances. And guess what? Circumstances always change, don't they? Because one day the money's there, and as we all find, found out in 2007, 8, and 9, the next day it's gone. And one day that person that we love and that we think loves us is there, and the next day they might be gone. And one day the degree is giving you great success, and the next day you lose your job. Because circumstances change, but I want you to hear, church, I want you to hear, Christ follower, that Jesus doesn't change. And joy is based on the one who doesn't change. Happiness is based on our circumstances. Joy is based on certainty. The second difference is, is that happiness is temporary. Joy is eternal. 
Happiness is something that is temporary. Happiness is, is filling a void or filling a need or filling a want and, or filling a desire. And then all of a sudden, when that is gone, when that thing is gone, when the circumstances change, when the plans go awry, when the thing that makes you happy is no longer there, all of a sudden, the happiness itself is gone. But joy found in Jesus is eternal. It's lasting. It's absolutely lasting. First Chronicles 16:27 gives us a little glimpse of some of the promises of God in Scripture about joy. He says this in verse 27, First Chronicles 16, splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in, what's it say there? In where? His place. I want you to notice the common theme here. Psalm 16:11 says this, you make known to me the path of life. In your, what's that next word? Presence. There is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures. How long? Forevermore. I love that. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. He'll make straight your path. Psalm 119, 1 through 3, Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keeps his testimony, who seek him with their whole hearts, who also do not uh, wrong, but walk in his ways. And I want you to learn today, I want you to know today, or be reminded for some of you today, that the idea of happiness is something that we can achieve on our own. But joy only comes from being with God and in his presence. Even the psalmist had to get in his presence to find joy in life. And the third difference is that the, is that the pursuit of happiness ultimately breeds disappointment. The pursuit of happiness breeds disappointment, but the pursuit of joy breeds fulfillment. John 16, 22 says, So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. It, it, it leads to hope, uh, or excuse me, happiness leads to sorrow, but joy, joy, true joy, leads to hope. Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope Fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. And so I want you to hear today that God's desire for us, God's desire for you, is not happiness, but it's joy. His desire is for you to find joy. The problem is finding it. I don't know about you, but when I read Paul's discourse on joy there in Philippians chapter 4, when I'm done reading it and he's encouraging us to find joy in the best of circumstances, in the good times, in the bad times, when he's encouraging us to find joy in Jesus, even when things go bad, I kind of want to look at him and go, Paul, that's really easy for you to say. That's, that's a lot harder to do. And then I realize that the guy, when he wrote about joy, was in prison. He was in chains for the gospel. And then I realized, I can't really say that. He's in chains for the gospel, and he's talking about having joy. It sure makes my problems. It sure makes the, the downtimes in my life pale in comparison. But I still, it still breeds the question and kind of it, it drives at the question, how do we find 
time. I want to answer that question. How do we pursue joy and not happiness? How do we pursue joy and not happiness? I, I think there's many things that we need to understand. I, I want to highlight four things today. First and foremost, how do we pursue joy and not happiness? I think, church, we have to redefine our search. I think that sometimes we're looking in the wrong place. I think the world probably looks at the church and they see one of two extremes. They either see the, the like phony Christian who's like always got a smile on their face and it's kind of maybe a little bit plastic and like they're just like, just, I'm just going to like burn through this and smile through the problems and it's all going to be fine. And then when you start peeling, peeling the layers back, you realize there's a lot of pain there, a lot of hurt there. There's a lot of maybe anger and disappointment there. And then the church sees the other extreme. They see the infighting. They see the disagreement. They see the lack of unity. And I believe the reason why the world sees us that way, why the world sees us on those two extremes, may be that we're looking in the wrong place for joy. We need to redefine search. In fact, we need to kind of recalibrate our goal. We need to move from a place of looking for happiness. Let's just end that. Let's be done with that. Happiness shouldn't be the goal. That's not the scoreboard. The scoreboard ought to be finding joy. Ought to be finding joy in our relationship with Christ. So the first thing that we need to do is move from this place of searching for happiness to search, searching for joy. We don't move through life with the most important things in our life happening just every so often. We don't move through life with the necessities of life like eating. I mean, we don't go through life eating once a week, right? I hope you don't do that. I certainly don't do that, and I would really feel alone if I was the only one that did that, like, like didn't do that. Like, we go through life going after what we need in life, and we pursue it, and we find it in the right place, and we find the right thing. Same thing with the people in our lives. We don't go through life looking for those who we love in the wrong place. And when we do that, we make serious failures in our life. And the same thing is true. We need to redefine our search. We're trying to find happiness. And I believe what God is telling us is our goal isn't to try to find happiness. It's to try to find joy. We need to be looking for joy. Secondly, we need to be aware of fake joy. There's a lot of things in this world that are fake right now, right? I mean, we talk about it all the time. Fake news, you know, we got that going on. Fake news, we've got, you know, we've got, uh, you know, fake jobs. We've got, uh, let's see, college applications, fake college applications, right? Phony college applications. And we as Christians just as easily succumb to this as the world does. We try to find joy through things that give us a false hope of joy. We try to find joy through a person, or we try to find joy through a career, or we f try to find joy through filling that great desire. And when we do that, essentially what we do is we, we begin to bargain with God. We, we might even do, when I was a brand new Christian, when I was like 14, 15, and 16, here, here's what was my mindset when I, when I was really growing in my faith walk, but then I would kind of waffle a little bit. Here's, here's what I would do. I would say, golf was my God, small g, all right? Like, golf was everything to me. 
And I would say to God, I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning and I'm going to spend 15 minutes with you, God. And in return, what I want is a great golf score tomorrow. I want to shoot in the low 80s. I want to shoot in the high 70s tomorrow, all right? So God, let's do this thing. I'm going to spend time with you. In return, why don't you do me this favor? And I begin to bargain with God. Have you ever done that? You don't have to raise your hand. But have you ever done that? Maybe it wasn't that direct, but we do that a lot, don't we? We think, man, I'm going to spend some time with God, and I know that I'm going to benefit from that. Well, that's true. But listen, if that's our motivation, if that's what we're seeking, once again, we're looking for the wrong thing. We need to be aware that there is no substitute for daily time spent with God in prayer and reflection and in reading his word. Joy is so connected to how much we are connected to God. And right here, my tendency as the pastor is to give you a great formula, 15 minutes with God for 40 days, and it'll become a habit and blah, blah, blah. But let me just tell you this. If you walked into this place today, and you are frustrated with life, and joy is the last thing that you have, I just want to encourage you to begin today to spend time with the one who can bring lasting joy. Begin once again to spend time with the one who can bring you joy. It's about really quality. It's not about quantity. It's about just being with the one who gives us joy. We come to church, and man, I, I know how this goes. You come here, and you know, the music's great, and the messages, you know, might be okay. And you're just like, man, I, you know, I, I like, I want to get something from God, and I want to come once a week, and I want to check. That was a joke, by the way. None of you got it. I want to check it off the box, and I want to like, like, I just want to like be have this great feeling of what I would define as happiness. And then I want to go throughout my week, and I just want to coast. I don't want to do anything else to try to have that joy or happiness. Listen, if you're coming to church for that reason, you're coming in vain. Because if you don't have that time with God, if you don't have that personal relationship with God, where you're spending time with Him every day, just you and Him, just getting to know Him, then the joy that you walk out of here with will simply be happiness. It'll just be fleeting. Yes, I just did say that even worship services can be a waste of time. Yeah, that, that'll be the quote, right? But that it'll be a waste of time if you just come here for that reason. First and foremost, it's about you and God. And this is just the culmination of that, right? We get it wrong so often. We get it wrong through Bible studies and, and groups. And man, I mean, you know, Chris is right down here. She does an amazing job with our groups. And our, a lot of our groups, some of our groups meet this summer. Some of them will begin in the fall. But if you're going to your, your group and if you're involved in some kind of Christian activity and you're doing it just to check it off a box, just to get that fill of joy or happiness, you're doing it for the wrong reason. That comes, it's forged in the time that you have with Jesus on a regular in church, when we begin to go off the path, that's usually where we begin to stray, is in our personal time with God. Be aware of the fake joy. Our relationship with God is the source of our joy in our lives. And I want to say one other thing here. I, I think it's really easy for pastors at this point in the message to go, you have a choice to be joyful. You have a choice to have joy. 
And I think in some ways that's true. But listen, when we as, when we as people are just like, our circumstances are terrible, but I'm going to put on a good face today. When our circumstances are just awful and we're going through difficult times and we're just like, I'm going to try to have joy today. I'm going to do my best to have joy. When we're doing that, I believe that we're working in vain. Because joy, true joy, comes in the best circumstances and in the worst circumstances as a result of our time with him. Our relationship with God is the source of joy in our lives. And so joy is not a choice, but spending time with the joy giver is a choice. That's a choice that we can make every day. And in pursuing him, we'll pursue joy. The third truth that I want to give you today, or step to finding joy, is embrace the truth that what God says about you is all that really matters. Man, from my own life to, to when I'm sitting in counseling sessions and listening to um, some of the things that you tell me uh, about what's going on and difficulty in your life, I think one of the greatest things that robs us of finding joy from the Lord is when we are turning our heads to the right and to the left to look at what everybody else is doing to find joy. We want to be like someone else. We want to strive for something that they have. We become jealous of what they may have attained. And, and we go, if I could just have what that person has, then I'll have joy. We are searching for that. All it's going to do is lead to more dissatisfaction. It's only in those times that we spend seeking and searching after God, that we're truly, and what he says about us, that we're truly, truly going to find contentment and identity in him, and we're going to find pleasure in him. John Piper talks about this all the time, talks about the fact that when we are most satisfied with God, he is most satisfied with us. It's in those times in our lives when we seek and search after him that we find our true joy. And then lastly, we need to give ourselves time. We need to give ourselves time to change our mindset on searching after happiness and joy. Here's the thing. We as, as humans are, come into this world and we're taught from the time that we are able to understand to seek after happiness, to fill our lives with whatever makes us happy. That's why we learn the word no very quickly, right? It's because we want like happiness, so no. Or so we learn, the next word we learn is mine, because we're taught to seek after happiness. And listen, if you're a Christ follower and you've been for a long period of time, and you've been searching after happiness, and maybe something's happening right now, and you're realizing, man, I'm looking in the wrong place, I'm searching in the wrong place, and you're like, I'm going to start searching after Jesus, I want to give you a word of, of warning, caution. It, it takes time. Don't think this thing is going to microwave itself. I'm about the only one in my family that really likes microwaved food. Like, I'm the one that eats all the leftovers in our house. I, we need to start dating them in our house. And, like, we need to start putting dates on the stuff that we put in the refrigerator. Because I, I'm, like, Sean's getting there. He's, like, he's along with me. My girls, Cynthia and Sydney, they, they will not eat anything that's leftovers, right? I mean, they, maybe they do a little bit. But I'm the one that eats all the leftovers, all right? It's a big problem, all right? It's, that's a whole other message. But anyway, so... But I throw it in the microwave during a busy time in our lives, and I think it's going to be so good. And you know what? It's really not. <laughs> Leftovers are never really that great, are they? Microwave food in general, not really that great. But, man, you, you put a 
put a good roast in the crock pot with some potatoes and carrots and throw some mushroom soup in there, a little bit of salt, a little extra salt, a little more salt, a little pepper. You come home after a few hours, that thing's been in the crock pot for a long time, that is some good food right there, isn't it? Listen, I want you to hear today, give yourself, give God some time. It used to be that um, experts would say that it takes 21 days to create a new habit. You know what they're telling us now? 60. 60. 60. Why has that changed? I don't know. I have no clue why that's changed, but it's changed. Give yourself some time. Maybe some of you are here today and something's going on and you're like, man, I've begun to fall out of love with Jesus. Start today. Give yourself some time. It's going to take time. When the prophet Jeremiah was confronting God's people back in the Old Testament, he said this in Jeremiah 29. I want you to capture the heart of this message. Because maybe this is for you as we begin to close today. He says, Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me. And I will hear you. You will seek me, and you'll find me when you seek me with all of your, what? Of your heart. He says, God says this through the prophet. He says, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. And the truth of the matter is, is God did send his people into exile. But the reason that they found themselves there is because they had lost their first love. And I think what Jeremiah is trying to say to God's people here, what God is trying to say to his people and what he's trying to say to us, is that falling back in love with him, finding our joy truly in him, takes time. It takes time with him. It takes time over time. It takes time searching him out. The word of God says, I stand at the door and knock. He's ready for you. But in our weakness and our failure and our shortcomings, sometimes it takes some time for us to fall back in love with him. And my encouragement to you is don't ever stop. Don't ever stop spending time falling in love with Jesus, falling back in love with Jesus. And ensure that your pursuits are pursuits that put you to that place. Because I don't know about you, but in my life, when I'm pursuing something else more than I'm pursuing him, all of a sudden I realize that it's that thing that's bumped me off the track. And so my question to you today as we close is what pursuits in your life downplay or diminish the pursuits of Jesus in your life? What things or thing or person or career or achievement or sports, that one hits home a little bit for me, are you pursuing in your life that is downplaying or diminishing your pursuit of Jesus? Whatever that thing is in your life, it will not lead to true, lasting joy. But you following Jesus, maybe for the first time, or maybe again, or maybe in a renewed sense, that is where you'll find your joy.
Did God say he wants me to be happy? If by happiness it means joy found in him, then yes. If by happiness it's based on circumstances and situations, then absolutely not. And we ought to thank him for that. Because that stuff goes away like that. But he lasts forever. Would you pray with me this morning? God, I thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you that in, in my weakness, in our weakness to find happiness in our lives, we may in a moment look to the world or we may in a moment look to us. And God, in a moment, we realize that that is gone and it's fleeting or it may last for a little while, but at some point in time, it ends. And Father, I thank you that you are the one that can, the only one that can bring us true and lasting joy. God, help each one of us in here. Help those who walked in here to this place today who um, maybe they've been a Christian for a long time. And maybe over time, their desire to do something good for themselves or for their family, or maybe their desire to strive after a particular career or academic achievement or intellectual goal has led them down a path where that pursuit has bumped them away from the real pursuit of joy, and that is just you. And Father God, I pray for everyone who's gathered here today. It's within the sound of my voice. Maybe they're listening online. Maybe they're here in this room today. And all that's happened in their life and their pursuit of happiness through someone else, through themselves, through an achievement, through a goal in life that's based on what the world says, all they have done is come to a place of frustration. They've come to a place of just being really, really irritated, sad, maybe even depressed about what life has brought them. Father, I pray in the strong name of Jesus right now. God, I pray for those in this room. I pray for those who are listening right now, who are pursuing something that has just led them down a path of sorrow. God, I pray right now that they would make a decision to pursue joy, which, which means making a decision to once again pursue you. God, help each one of us in this room, myself included, when we have those times in our life, whether they're days long or weeks long or perhaps even months or years long, where we've fallen out of love with you. God, I pray that you would help us to turn our eyes back to the, the joy giver, and that's you. Father, I thank you that we can have joy because of our salvation. We can have joy because of what you have done. God, we thank you. We thank you so much for who you are. God, may we find our full satisfaction in you. And may you be pleased with us as a result. I pray all of this in Jesus' name.